Whoa, privates. I have a special treat for you today. Before we get into today's episode, I want to turn you on to a very sexy, very horny podcast from the Pleasure Podcast Network. It is erotic short stories, and Mia Hart is going to probably get you wet, okay? She's going to turn you on. She's going to get you fucking going, okay? Check it out. If you enjoy losing yourself in stories of passion, lust, and erotica, then you'll love erotic short stories. Tune in every Friday to hear me, Mia Hart, read you tales of lust, fantasy, and desire. My stories are pure escapism and a chance for you to indulge in some sensual erotica whenever you feel in the mood. Join me on Erotic Short Stories, available on all podcast platforms for your weekly fix. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and today we're talking about older people cruising the internet trying to get laid. So often, the dating stories we hear are from younger people, but the quest for love and sex doesn't have an expiration date. And depending on how things shake out, you might find yourself back on the dating scene way later than you expected. Senior singles actually make up one of the fastest-growing demographics in online dating, and they are writing a third act for themselves previous generations could have never imagined. But of course, it turns out later in life, dating and relationships can come with a different set of circumstances. And we're going to get into all the details with today's guests, the co-editors of the new anthology called Grey Love. Stories about dating and new relationships after 60. Hi, my name is Nan Bauer Maglin. I am 81 and I am the co-editor of Grey Love. And everyone should look at the cover because it's beautiful. Hi, my name is Daniel Hood. Most people call me Dan. I'm also 81 and I'm the other co-editor of Grey Love. So I'm pretty obsessed with both Nan and Dan, and I think you're going to be too. The over 60 demographic is often ignored when it comes to talking about sex and romantic love and just in general. So I'm thrilled to be covering this on the show. This is a funny, sometimes sad, and ultimately heartwarming conversation, much like their book. I don't want to spoil anything for you, so let's just dive right in. All right. So this was so interesting. So I guess let's start at the beginning of the project. Like, how did you guys start working together and what inspired this book? Um, I'll, I'll start and then Dan can add. I, this is my ninth book, ninth collection. And my first was about step families when I remarried and I had lots of problems. And that was a long time ago. And I, I looked for books about it. And then at that point, there wasn't many 
And also I wanted to hear, I didn't want a how-to book. And this is true of all the projects I've been on. I didn't want a how-to. I wanted to hear people's stories in detail, their, the kind of experiences, so I could understand the process and see different points of view. So I did step families, I did widowhood, I did retirement, I did death and choice. And then when my husband died five years ago, I started thinking about online dating. And again, I looked into books. There weren't many and none about over 50. 50 was considered old age then. (laughs) And so I knew that I had to do a book. And I also wanted men's voices. And I asked Dan to help me edit because I thought if I had a male editor, that would attract male writers. It's very hard to get male writers to do personal things. Also, he's a great editor. Dan, you want to say anything else about it? No, um, the book is primarily hers. It's her brainchild. She thought up the idea. She put a lot of it together. She's responsible for most, if not all, of the contributors. And I came in sort of on the backhand when she, like she said, wanted wanted to attract some more male contributors and also to work mostly on their articles, although I worked on others as well. Oh, nice. Dan, do you have a personal experience with looking for love as an older person? Oh, yeah. I mean, Nan and I have been dating for three years, going on four, I think. By five. We're starting five. You are in a relationship together. We are. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) I read a little bit of Nan's writing about it, but I didn't realize you were the other professor. Uh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I dated on I dated on Match, and I have an article about my early my first few dates. Uh huh. The first person I dated ghosted me. He was in his eighties. I didn't yep. even know the word ghosted. Um, <laughs> and I think Dan has had several relationships short term on from Match. But more to the point about about the book and how we got together to do the book. Uh, when we first started dating, she was doing her book on widowhood. It was done, by and large, but she had some difficulties with the footnotes on the introduction, and she asked me to help, and it became obvious right away that we worked together well. Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to be a workaholic as an older person, too, and I think that's a great way to find someone. (laughs) Okay, so as you point out in the intro... The demographic of over 60 is actually huge. It's 73 million people, 22% of the U.S. population and rising. But also, the desire for intimacy does not have an expiration date. So what are the nuances of looking for love at this stage in life? Hmm. Well, first of all, a lot of older people don't know how to use the internet very well and use dating apps so that's the first nuance. Yes. Um, there's someone in the book who was like in her 80s, 84 something. She said she wished she had a matchmaker in like the old days. You know, she tried the internet and was uncomfortable. So that's the first thing. But there are lots of nuances. One of the things is that when you're 81, as I am, and you meet somebody, your life is very developed. Your habits are very developed. You have a huge history. So getting together with somebody it's hard, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to figure out a new way to have a relationship. You're not getting together to have family. You're not getting together 
to change the person, although you might want to. Um, <laughs> so you're, you have to sort of come to terms with what does that mean to have a relationship when you're that old? You know, and the other thing I'll say, but there's lots more, but if you meet somebody when you're old, you have to face the issue of illness mm-hmm. and of dying, of death. There's somebody, um, I don't think she was in the book, but I quote her in the introduction. She said she was in her 80s and she met somebody and that every day when they didn't talk to each other on the phone or text, she wondered if he was dead. Yeah, And I, I think when you're 20, that's not on the top of your mind and you're not worried about that. Yeah, I was struck by that epigraph at, at the beginning. Later life relationships are born of loss. And then in your uh, part two piece of writing, Nan, you have that beautiful quote of like, it's four people in the bed. It's his wife and my husband and us. And I guess if you could just speak to that, because as you mentioned, you did have this whole life before, and a lot of people had beautiful partnerships before. And it's not like you just forget about that. Well, if I I could jump in. Go ahead. One of the things about my experience, my wife died suddenly and totally unexpectedly Uh, literally dropped dead on on our kitchen floor one morning before she went to work. She was only 66. We'd been married 44 years. And I had just retired, and I was in utter shock. Mm -hmm. Um, I was almost incommunicative for a while. A couple, I almost said several, but I think it's only a couple of women that I dated before Nan said they didn't want to have a relationship with me, at least at that point in time, because my wife was all I talked about and my sense of loss and my sadness. And so that experience can get in the way, obviously, of of new relationships. And I decided at that point that one of the things I was going to look for on match was somebody who had had a recent loss, who was still experiencing the loss. So they could relate to mine and I could relate to theirs. And things worked out much better after that. My article about ghosts in the bed and the ghosts were his wife, my husband. There's an article about a couple that move in together and they're in their late 80s. And her first husband was an artist. And so all over her walls are pictures of her nude, paintings of her Mm -hmm. nude. And so (laughs) Paul, who moves into her place, has to deal with, he calls himself an intruder. He has to deal with all these new people up on the on the wall. And he figures out how to, but that it means you have to sort of live with that someone has a relationship. And in fact, I was pleased. A good relationship was important for me to find somebody who had a good relationship and we could share that. Mm-hmm. I would think so, because it's not something that you want to not be able to talk about again. Like you want to be able to make space for the four people in the bed and not pretend like they're not there. There's somebody in the book, a a male who was looking for a male partner after his partner died. And he met a guy on match. And the guy said, you cannot talk about your husband. And also, would you get rid of the bed that you slept in with the husband? That was doomed. That relationship was doomed. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Privates! Our sponsor, Fleshlight, can help you reach new heights with your self-pleasure. 
Fleshlight is the number one selling male sex toy in the world. And at Fleshlight, you can explore sex toys with expert guides and advice, especially if you're a beginner or you're looking to level up. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know how much I love sex toys. I am a huge advocate of self-pleasure and I have a really good time with all of my vibrators and accessories. And I think you should feel free to do the same. It's a great way to discover exactly what you like and make sure you are satisfied, which helps you approach you know, your IRL relationships with a little more chill, a little more ease, a little bit more knowing what you want. And I think that is good for everyone involved. So listen, if you're a horn dog, there is no shame in your game. Get yourself a fleshlight. And with the Fleshlight Girls series, you can embrace your wildest porn star fantasies with a different porn actress every night. With a variety of models, sensations, and intensities, you can live out limitless fantasies. And you can automate your fantasies with the universal launch that fits most Fleshlight products. With its innovative touch control system, just set the controls, sit back, and enjoy. It puts the pleasure in your hands. Your pleasure is in your complete control and as the ultimate male pleasure device on the market, it's as versatile as you are. It's anatomical, stamina building, vibrating, or made for couples, you name it. You define your luxury moment. And right now, Fleshlight is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners 10% off your order with our code PRIVATE. So just go to ppupod.com, that's the website, ppupod.com, and click Fleshlight, and use promo code PRIVATE to get 10% off your new delicious device. Again, that is ppupod.com, and enter code PRIVATE. And it really helps support the show. So by using the link in the episode description, we can all be horny together and you can keep this podcast going. So get yourself a flashlight and get yourself off. Hey, privates, whether you are with a new partner or you just want to stay on top of your sexual health, STI testing should be a part of your safe sex practice. And I got to say, it is such a pain in the ass to go through your doctor on this. You have to make an appointment and then they have to order the test for you. But now you can take control of your sexual health with quick and convenient STD testing that you can order online for yourself at stdcheck.com. STDcheck.com is the leader in reliable and affordable lab-based STI testing. Order online and go right to one of their certified labs. There is no doctor visit required, and you will get results within one to two days after testing. STDcheck.com offers confidential and convenient STI testing in labs across the U.S. They offer a wide variety of reliable tests, including a comprehensive 10-panel test and follow-up doctor consultations. With multiple online payment options and an easy and private online purchase option, stdcheck.com makes STI testing easy and protects your privacy. Get peace of mind with an STD check from stdcheck.com, where you can purchase a range of STI tests, get tested at a CLIA certified lab, and be confident in your results. 
In my experience, STI testing is so important. Before my fiance and I went exclusive, we both got STI testing. It was actually something that I demanded before we stopped using condoms. It's just risky to be out there maybe getting diseases from other people that have long-term consequences and you don't want that. So right now, stdcheck.com is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners $10 off your order. Just go to ppupod.com, click STD check, and use code PRIVATE to get $10 off your next STI test. That is ppupod.com and use code PRIVATE to get tested. Please support the show by using the link in the episode description. Stay safe out there, privates. So, okay, you split up the book into like deciding whether you want to pursue this relationship and then new relationships at this stage. So for the beginning part, for the deciding, a lot of people opt out and decide that they don't want that. What are some of the reasons that people make either decision? Well, it varies. It varies. One person went on 150 dates. One person went on 39 dates. One person went on three dates. And the person on three dates, she said, you know, the guy dropped her and they were in a park and he just sort of walked away. And she thought, I could either jump in the lake and commit suicide or I could treat myself to a good drink and a good dinner. And so she... (laughs) She decided after three days, that's it. She didn't want to be rejected. It was too much trouble. So at certain points, people decide that it's it's too painful. It's too much trouble. It takes money and time. And there's, a, there's several statistics about burnout. This is for older people, but younger people feel burnout too. It's, it's hard. It's, a, it's work. And a lot of people feel, especially women, that there aren't that many men, uh-huh. older men around. And also their choices are very limited, whereas men can date younger, much younger, 20 years younger. One of the writers called it a candy shop for men. I read that. So what's up with this disparity? I mean, I see it play out in the world, but I mean, it just sucks. Well, it's it's cultural, you know, that men feel that, that they're attractive no matter what. I, someone in the um, quote, some an older fat man saying he wants a thin, beautiful young woman. Yes, obese older man right. <laughs> looking for beautiful young woman. What? <laughs> but for for older women, it's not only that cultural gender bias, but it's that men die more, you know, earlier, mm-hmm. and men marry quickly after they lose a wife. So the field is very limited for women. And each year, as you get older, the field is more limited. Mm -hmm. So, okay, getting back into older dating, because there is also this thing that I've read where, you know, older people now are having these crazy high instances of STDs. And so it seems like there's some casual sex happening. So what is it like to get back out there and date online as an older person? Well, I quote some literature. There's a number of fiction about having your old body meet another old body, you know, and being (laughs) shy and embarrassed and, you know, certain positions you can't do anymore. So, you know, you have to sort of accommodate. But I would say on the whole in this book that the people who do talk about sexuality and the men don't, but the women 
especially one woman, Susan O'Malley, talks about she's had the greatest sex of her life. And I can quote her, you know, she's so excited about it. And I think the reason that older people have good sex is because they have time. They don't have little children running around. Mm -hmm. They don't have work pressures if they're not working. They don't have often, and this is this book is sort of upper middle class people, they don't have financial pressures. So they can just enjoy their sexuality. And it's great, you know, if you can. <laughs> so the online dating piece, was that hard to figure out like the I don't know, customs of it and the tech, like you mentioned, some older people struggle with it. Or for you guys, you were just like, obviously using that computers and stuff in your professional life and it seemed easy. Well, I think that's true. But there's also a learning curve in understanding how the systems work. Mm-hmm. The only one I ever used to any extent was was Match.com. I don't mean to plug it, just seemed to, to be easier for me. And one of them I tried to get on stole my money. Oh, American Express saved me. Uh, actually, they tried to steal my money. I won't mention. Probably wasn't the organization. It was probably some some hacker. But but anyways, Match.com worked for me. And when I first went on, I didn't realize that I could actually hide my profile so that I could choose to speak to the women I wanted to. And they would get my profile when I would approach them, when I would send them a note. I would always send a note. And they would get my profile along with it. Otherwise, because of the the gender disparity, I was getting scads and scads of <laughs> of notices from women, and I didn't know how to sort them out without a lot of hard work that I didn't want to go into. So I I ended up hiding. But I had to find out how to do that, and that took me several weeks of searching around the site itself. But I I think there are. A number of how-to books out there now. They probably uh, people who start now probably can can figure that out before. Well, our book also in the pieces have how-to is about how to write the profile. I have a piece about that. There's also advice um, that I might have put in the introduction. I'm not sure that you don't stay online for long. You can fall in love online. You can fall in love with someone's writing. And for me, that's like really important writing. Um, uh-huh. You need to move to either in-person Zooming or seeing the person because that can be a very different experience. I totally agree with that. It, that applies at all ages. I think right. you got to get off the app. And Daniel, to your point, that is so funny because it is the exact reverse of like when I was dating I feel like my now fiance would say that like I was in the choosers position. (laughs) I was getting scads of messages and, you know, the men like had to buy the special Tinder where they could super like people and things like that. And then when you get older, it's totally reversed. (laughs) I'm glad glad to hear you had a good experience. (laughs) I did. I met my partner on uh, Tinder, but it was very interesting to read this and think about, you know, how things could play out down the road. One of the writers showed her 24-year-old daughter the book, and the 24-year-old daughter spent two days reading it straight through and said that it was really helpful to her, that she, first of all, understood her mother Uh and her grandmother, but she also, it had some dating hints for her, too. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, I agree. So, okay, the part two of the book, you get into having these relationships. And I think there are some really interesting kind of things that come up living together alone. I think that's the term. And ways that it can play out differently when you're older. So if you could just kind of speak to this section and some of the interesting takeaways that you found. It's L-A-T, living alone together. I think living alone together, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, younger people probably do that too, but definitely this is an option for older people because they don't want to give up their habits. They don't want to give up their home. And also I, there was a one couple that they met after 50 years. They knew each other 50 years ago. They weren't, you know, they weren't a couple then. They were friends. And then 50 years later, they meet and they're 200 miles apart. And they say they don't want to join their households. They don't want to see each other every day because the reason that they like each other is that this is an independent person, mm-hmm. a person who has a developed self, a developed life, and that it's more it's exciting to meet that person. And often when you live together, you suppress yourself. You know, you change because you feel you have to accommodate so this this couple actually ended up in the last year moving closer together because 200 miles was pretty hard, but mm-hmm. never they decided never to live together. So the living together is a real issue for older people. Uh, one other issue is about kids and their reaction, but it's not really that important because you're not going to, you know, your your kids, my children are 45 years old and 50 years old. What they think about my relationship is pretty irrelevant. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make a family. They don't see this interview. <laughs> you know, that's not what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. so for older people, that's not an issue. I want to also say that the book is also about both parts, not only about dating and finding a relationship, the pros and cons of a relationship, but also about not looking, mm-hmm. about deciding not to find somebody, that you're pretty okay with who you are and being alone. And it's a positive. One one person who wrote, I'm going back to part one, Mm -hmm. um, said after his wife died, he did try dating for a little while. And he realized that he was still married emotionally to his wife. Yeah. And that there was no reason for him to look for somebody. And so it's also book is also about finding friends and how to sustain yourself when you don't date and when you don't have a loving partner. It's also the people who decided not to continue dating and didn't find a relationship. A few of them, maybe more than a few, Nan might be able to confirm this, said that they learned more about themselves in the process and they understand why they want to be alone rather than going through the process further, or even then having a relationship. So even if you're not successful in the terms of the dating organizations, you can still be successful, you know, finding your way through through your elder years. I don't know why, but I hadn't previously considered the possibility of living monogamously for decades in a long-term relationship and then becoming polyamorous in my older years. There are two essays in the book about open relationships, and it really got my wheels turning. One of the other things that I thought was interesting in part two was the people that were dating 
it was men dating multiple people in this case. But yeah, if you could just kind of share that, because I hadn't really considered that happening at this stage. <laughs> well, I don't have statistics on that, so I can't tell you very much. And it was men, two men. One woman wrote about it, and then one male anonymously wrote about it. So it's interesting. It's men that have more than one partner. But, you know, if you are mature enough to understand that you can love more than one person, I always think about my children and I like them differently, but I like, mm-hmm. I love them all, you know, mm-hmm. but that's very hard for most people to accept that you might have more than one relationship, but we do broach that in the book. That's why both articles are, well, one is anonymous and one is a pseudonym. And of course, you know, like more people are polyamorous than ever before. It's just, you know, after living your life monogamously, it's kind of interesting. (laughs) So I guess, do you have any tips for an older person thinking about getting back out there? Do it. (laughs) Do it. I think um, the last article was about take the risk. If you want to find somebody take the risk. And even when you see that the person maybe is old, which they will be in this, you know, according to this book and might have some issues or personality that you don't parts that you feel uncomfortable with jump in because you have little time left and why not try and use the time to enjoy yourself and have pleasure. Daniel, I saw that you wrote an anthology about parenting over 40. And I'm trying. That's Nan's anthology. That's That's Nan's anthology. Nan, you are killing it with the anthology. I know. (laughs) I don't have any more issues left. So that's the end of anthology. But what did you want to ask about that? (laughs) Did you both start parenting over 40? Yes. Daniel did, not me. I, um, when I had my daughter, I adopted her. I was 35, but that was so long ago. I was considered old then. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm 39. I don't have any kids right now. I'm engaged, but I've obviously, I live in LA. I've taken the very slow road, (laughs) but I'm trying to decide. I don't know if I want to do that. I might adopt. And I'm just curious, broad strokes, any thoughts about parenting over 40? Why did you take the plunge? Well, we had wanted to parent before 40. But we had some anatomical issues mm-hmm. that it took the doctors a while to figure out. And then the first time we got pregnant, my wife had a miscarriage. And uh, by the time that was all done, I was well over 40 and she was approaching 40. But uh, we decided to try it one, one more time. Thank goodness. And we were successful beyond our wildest dreams. And by the time, Michael, our son, was born. He was born in June. She was 41 in August. I mean, did it feel late or did it feel right on time for you? Well, given the bumps in the road, it felt pretty much on time. But we were always the older parents in in whatever parenting community we were in at school or baseball teams or or whatever. But um, it didn't bother us, I don't think. The only time it bothered my wife was when she got mistaken for Michael's grandmother. <laughs> that happens often, but it also shows how positive that it, it is to have it be older. Because you, again, you have experiences. You don't feel like you're, you know, 
sacrificing yourself to yes. have a child. So there's pros and cons. I mean, you might not be around when the kid goes to college. You know, that's the other issue. But healthcare these days, women have children over 40 and it's pretty safe. You know, you might have to uh, have a little help, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it works. And certainly I can talk to you about it if, <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, no, I think that I can't even imagine my younger self being a parent. I think I would probably be a bad parent if I were younger. (laughs) I would have done it younger. So I do think that there are a lot of advantages to doing it later if that's what happens. And I might add that the the piece that I wrote for Nan's book, which is called TikTok, Parenting After 40, is that he changed our lives in ways that actually improved them in, in very important ways occupationally and avocationally. It's amazing when I look back on it. Oh, that's really sweet. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have one last question for you guys. I read an article recently. I was just trying to remember where I read it, but I can't remember, but about the preferred label. And I think they were saying older adults, which is so interesting. I don't often think about that label, but they were saying elderly Nobody likes to be called that. Nobody likes to be called old. The preferred label is older adults. And I saw that you use that very frequently throughout. So I'm just curious, does that line up with your experience? When you hear elderly, are you like, please, no? (laughs) I don't care. I mean, I think I'm just proud to say I'm 81 and that old people are people, you know? Mm -hmm. In the parenting book, they kept on calling it, the doctors would call it a degenerating ovaries or degenerating womb. And it, they use elderly for that, which is sort of obnoxious. You know? But I yeah. don't care. I think it's important to embrace your age and your oldness. But it's also, it's also true that words mean things. And there's, there's a clear bias or in some cases even animus against older people. We're just taking up space. We're not producing anymore. And so it's important to find the right term that doesn't promote that discrimination. As with race, as with gender, age comes with its, with its own uh, baggage. Oh, I love that. I think that's so true. I was just spending time with my fiance's aunt, who I love. She's like one of my favorite people in the world. She's 83. She's so active and cool and she was saying though that sometimes and I never think of her like this but sometimes she feels invisible because of that kind of labeling so I think you're so right like that's why the label matters and I'm so glad you guys you know did this book because I think it promotes thinking of older people as full vibrant wonderful beings so thank you guys this is great thank you Thank you very much, Courtney. That was delightful. Dan is totally right. Aside from maybe like the U.S. Senate, older people do not get enough respect in this country. And it shouldn't be like that. So I hope this episode inspires you to reach out and connect with a special older person in your life. And make sure you buy a copy of Grey Love. 45 writers contributed to this collection, 13 men and 32 women. Their ages ranged from 59 to 94. 
There were gay, straight, widowed, divorced, happily and not so happily single people represented. And four pieces are authored by couples. It is a really tender and thought-provoking book. I highly recommend it as an all-ages read, but it would be especially great as a gift for an older person thinking about getting back out there. And if you like this episode, I have to recommend an episode from our archives with another cool-ass older couple. It is episode 49. It's called 70-somethings on Sextasy with Charlie and Shelly Weininger. They do MDMA together and they say it's like romantic super glue for their relationship and their sex life. This episode flies in the face of everything you thought you knew about sex, drugs, and aging. Here is a little preview. I don't know how it is where where you folks live, but here in New York City, age is a liability. Um, There's really an apartheid between, and it's unspoken, between those who are old, older like us, 50s, 60s, 70s, and younger people. But in the psychedelic community, we're looked up to as elders and respected and and people want to uh, want to know us so that's that's really very beautiful for us and by doing these podcasts about sex it shows that there's no such thing as once you hit a certain number there's no more sex i love that right as a matter of fact you guys are having more sex than anybody we know (laughs) well i don't know if we're having more we're certainly having better sex than we've ever had and we've had great sex all along uh, but uh, here you know I mean together we're 140 years old <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Private Parts Unknown stay tuned because I've got an episode all about the Star Garden stripper unionization efforts coming up and to stay in touch between episodes follow me at Courtney Kosak that is K-O-C-A-K on Instagram and Twitter and follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter for the latest episodes look down and make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast player right now there's usually some sort of subscribe or follow button or a bell so click that and of course subscribe to our newsletter at privatepartsunknown.substack.com there is a link in the episode description shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb ass theme music for more info about Amy and her music check out amyrausch.com that's amy r-a-a-s-c-h dot com this episode was mixed by my ride or die audio guy Michael Castaneda of Plastic Audio And after enjoying this content, could we ask you for a quick favor? Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give us a five-star rating and review. We are crushing it on our goals, you guys, because you have been freaking awesome. So let me give you a little update. Right now, we are at 252 ratings on Apple Podcasts. So that means we hit the goal of 250. Thank you so much for getting us over the hump. And now we're going for 275. So we need some listeners on Apple Podcasts to throw down those five stars and those sweet nothings. And if you're listening on Spotify, we are up to 58 ratings and we're trying to get to 75. So we're coming for you, 75. We're freaking coming for you. So if you are listening on Spotify right now, just go up to the upper left-hand corner of our page, click the star button and click all five stars and I will love you forever. Okay. 
Okay. And no matter where you're listening, you can just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give us a five-star rating and review, which we will be so appreciative of. So thank you so much. Until next time, I am wishing you lots of horniness and happiness and sex and love into your 70s, 80s, and beyond, baby. Bye.